Good morning. Happy Wednesday. It's May 24th. I'm Adam Wright. You are listening to Covenant Network Catholic Radio, and this is Roadmap to Heaven. We are with you for the next hour here on this Wednesday morning, and as always, very happy to be with you. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today on the show, we are going to hear a little bit from Father Heilman about confession. We are going to hear about more about preparing for Pentecost. And then we've got something very special on the show today. Uh, at the Marian Conference this past weekend, I had the opportunity to sit down with Father Mitch Pacwa. You know him from EWTN Open Line Wednesday. You know him from EWTN Live uh, the list goes on and on and on of, of, of where you know Father Mitch from. How could you not know Father Mitch? And if you don't know Father Mitch, today you will. And we're, we're going to talk about a lot of things, especially uh, sin and holiness. That's all ahead on the show. Before we go to any of that, though, you know, it was quite lovely yesterday. It was quite lovely last night. Will it be lovely today and tonight? I don't know. But you know what I do know? I know that Mike Roberts has the answers for us. Today is the feast day of St. David of Scotland. Born in 1080, he was the youngest son of Scotland's beloved Queen St. Margaret and her husband, Malcolm III. Like his mother, David had a great devotion to the Lord and the Blessed Mother growing up. His father and brother were killed during an invasion, and Margaret died shortly after. His uncle Donald took the throne by force, and David and his brothers were forced into exile in England. In 1113, he married Maud and became an earl in possession of part of Scotland, and by 1124, David was king of all of Scotland. Like his journey to the throne, his reign was complex, but David had a great love for the poor and a desire to grow the church. He founded many monasteries and started a number of dioceses. At the end of his life, he insisted on deep prayer as he was dying. When it was suggested he just rest, he said, Let me rather think about the things of God so that my spirit may set out strengthened on its journey from exile to home. When I stand before God's tremendous judgment seat, you will not be able to answer for me or defend me. He died on this day in 1153. St. David of Scotland, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. 
You have heard Father Mitch Pacwa on our airwaves many times before, especially on Wednesday afternoons with Open Line Wednesday, among other great shows here on Covenant Network that we're so happy to get from our friends at EWTN. Father, it's good to be with you here in St. Louis. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. So in your talk today at the St. Louis Marian Conference, you were talking about the trial system that awaits all of us, that the Father is the judge, and we have an advocate. In fact, we, we have two. Uh, I, I never thought about that, that there are two paracletes. I always think of the Holy Spirit, but you said, no, Jesus said, I'll send you another paraclete, implying there's a first one, that's him. And you said that the devil's trying to convict us of our sin and that our, our defense attorney, our Lord, on the cross said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. And, and I want to add one thing, too. It's in the first letter of St. John, chapter 2, verse 1, where St. John says, we have a paraclete with the Father. Now, usually it'll say advocate, but we, it, the Greek is parakleton. Uh, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. So it's explicit. It's not just implicit in John fourteen six, where it says, I will send you another uh, advocate. But it, no, it's John fourteen sixteen. But it is explicit that Jesus is the paraclete. So that that's very important. Yeah, we're not reading between the lines. We are reading the lines in, exactly. in that instance. Exactly. So I, I want to ask you about that because I feel so often um, when we when we think of perfect contrition, imperfect contrition, mm-hmm. maybe in our formation, especially growing up, we don't have that that sense of what we are actually doing, how our sin not only wounds us, but how it grieves the Father. And I, I was wondering if you could share a little bit about what our Lord says there when he says, forgive them, they know not what they do. Yeah. One of the things about sin grieving God that's very important is that he created humanity to be in his image and likeness. Uh, you have kids? I do. Yeah. Five I, of them. Do you like them? I do. Oh, see? It's good. And so not everybody does. I don't take it for granted anymore. But one of the things about having children is that you want them to be themselves, but at the same time, you want them to reflect on your family. You know, that they, when they're with other people, speak politely, say please and thank you every time somebody gives you something, when you go to a family get-together. You want them to demonstrate that you have been training them and you don't want them to act like little savages, I assume. And this is the way God the Father is. If your child were to go up to his or her grandparent and just say, well, give me that candy, you would be appalled. And they would be rubbing the backside uh, because (laughs) your appallment would have an effect on them. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, because you don't want them to to act like uh, narcissistic sociopathic maniacs um, unless you intend for them to go into politics but apart yeah. <laughs> but you know you and the father in heaven wants us to reflect him the same way that you want your children to reflect you and it would be painful if they were disrespectful to their grandparents 
or mean to them in any way. Uh, the same thing is true with the way God the Father wants us to act. Sometimes I think of the, the vices we struggle with and habitual sin. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think, that if I really had an, a, just even a, a slight semblance of how much this affects my relationship with the mm-hmm. Father, mm-hmm. if I actually knew, then it would be a lot easier to say, all right, I am going to work hard and to ask for the grace I need because I, I lived experience, I cannot do it on my own right. to break free of this vice or to at least go and apologize with that contrite heart every time I do fall in to that sin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, I, I think there's, uh, that's an important element. Um, I, I think it's important. I, I wrote a book, Winning the Battle Against Sin, some years ago. And I always like going back to the first temptation of Adam and Eve. And the first thing is how Satan said, did God really say not to eat of any of the fruits? He said, oh, we can eat everything except that one tree. And he said, oh, God does. He first of all goes after God's motives. He doesn't want you to have excess. He doesn't want you to be that smart. That's, that's why I did that. Attacking God's motives. And another part of it is to, he says, you won't really die. The evil one likes to deny the punishment, the consequences. Um, again, this and that's a, a good sign of that is what we see going on in our culture today. Look at all the number of district attorneys around the country. They have been financed by extremely wealthy people to go into areas, and they they make it clear there's no punishment for your sin. So, and what's happening in these in so many big cities? Stores are closing. You can't even buy a tube of toothpaste without someone having to unlock a case because there's so much theft. Denying the punishment is part of Satan's temptation, and then giving an appealing qualities that looks good to eat and it's beautiful to the eyes. All of these aspects of what's sometimes called the beautiful side of evil and questioning God's motives, questioning that there, there's not going to be punishment, there's no consequences, all of that. And that goes into temptation on a regular basis. So when we are fighting against temptation, we have to be alert to the way uh, in our culture. Uh, we, a good example would be how, again, our politicians are saying, oh, we don't want to put people in jail for, for a little bit of marijuana, so we're going to legalize it. And it's not, it's not bad. It's not like, you know, they, they ban cigarette smoking. They try to stop that, but they're encouraging smoking of marijuana. You know, this is, that's very odd. But it's, no, there's no consequences, it's okay. And we just don't want to have consequences of going to jail for committing a crime, it's not a big deal. And these are the same kind of temptations. And we have to pay attention to whatever sinful behavior we have that 
those same factors, denying the punishment, questioning God's motives or the church's motives, and trying to see the beautiful, attractive side of the evil, all of that is going on. And we have to react by trying to fight against all of those aspects. There is a consequence to sinful behavior. It's not just that I'd be embarrassed. It could be much worse. You know, uh, the consequences of sin have major impacts beyond my act. Uh, think about uh, something like an abortion. It's not just that that child is dead, but all the generations that could have come from that child cannot exist. It's changed history. That's what Mother Teresa used to say. You, um, uh, you've, you Americans have aborted the doctor who had the cure for cancer. And, you know, it, it's, so there are consequences. We have to remember that. And while it looks like a good thing, well, this would be better for my career if I had this abortion. This would be better for my, I, I mean, I, I'm not ready to be burdened with a child or I, I couldn't handle a boy. I want a girl. Whatever looks good. We have to say, no, I take whom God gives me and I take his limitations. We have to say, no, I'm going to trust in God that when he says that something is wrong, that probably is harmful for me. You know, drinking too much, using drugs. I mean, we see the devastation of drugs on the streets of these big cities where they don't punish it. Um, sex, you know, that becomes something that is so addictive. And people give so many to I got to be me. I got to express myself. No, you don't. Yeah. You know, you're not going to blow up. You're not a steam engine. You don't explode. That doesn't happen. Don't believe that. And, and there are consequences to, we, we see in our country, now the majority of children are born to unmarried parents. 52% of all kids born are born to unmarried parents. Typically, the dads don't show up. The, the fathers aren't there, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes the mothers aren't there because they're being themselves. And the consequence is poverty for the children and greater likelihood of criminal behavior. 85% of inmates in prison are the children of unmarried parents across all racial lines. It's 85% of the white guys, the black guys, the brown guys. Hmm. doesn't matter. So these, we have to pay attention, and God wants us to avoid these sins because he knows we're playing with matches that will burn us. Yeah, I don't tell my children, no, you can't stick your hand on the pot of boiling water that we're using to cook the macaroni and cheese because I'm a hateful parent who doesn't want my kid to touch the bright red Bingo. pot. I don't want them to get a severe burn on their hand. Exactly. I, you said something in your talk today, something else I've been reflecting on for years, and that is that before we sin, and I was actually just watching a great talk from uh, Venerable Servant of God, Fulton Sheen, the other day, talking about before we sin and after we sin, that our Lord seems like the one who's saying, no, 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 he's the downer, don't do this, as we were just talking, don't touch that pot of boiling water. And the devil's the one saying, oh, it's okay. You can do exactly. it. Everybody's going to do it. Who's going to know? No one's going to know that you did this. And then after we sin, it changes. The devil's the one saying, would you look at what you did? And I'm going to tell everyone 
what you did. Everyone's going to know what you did. And our Lord's saying, hey, come here, let's, let's get you healed of that. But we right. have to admit to him that I made a mistake. I harmed yep. myself. Yep. I committed a sin. Yep. And uh, I, I've heard, correct me if I'm wrong, but at the general judgment on the last day, that one of the differences between the souls that go to hell and the souls that go to heaven is we're going to have all of our things read against us, and the soul that goes to hell is going to be saying, please don't read that, please don't tell people I did that, I'm ashamed of that, I'm embarrassed by that, I don't want people to know, and the soul in heaven is going to say, yep, I did all of those things, but look what God did. Look how God stepped, look how our Lord stepped in and mm-hmm. overcame all of those stupid things that I did mm-hmm. that I couldn't even fix. He fixed it. That's going to be a key thing. As a matter of fact, I oftentimes, uh, my father was in the hospital for his final illness, and I'd be in the waiting room during surgery and stuff and all, and they'd be playing this awful show, and I'd never seen it. And I was just absolutely fascinated, not at the show, but why are you watching this? This is absurd. And as I watched the show and the people, there are two things I thought. One, these folks are watching because they could say, well, I know I'm bad, but I'm not that bad. (laughs) That's one thing, small comfort. The second is, I thought this is the best image of your first day in hell, that you come out on stage You don't know what's going on. All of a sudden, these people you've been sinning with start telling the crowd. And I remember one of the characters that had walked out there, he was just blindsided uh, by it. And there's all these things he did with these other people. And then the audience is cheering against you. And then you go behind the scene and the fires open up. You know, so this, that would be how I would see hell. And you know what? That was such a good idea. Some guy wrote an opera, and that was their whole theme of the opera. But it, it would be exactly that. And how awful that would be. Yeah. I, I want to end with this. Um, it's really amazing when extraordinary things happen. Like Whether it's the sporting event, and it's, uh, you know, the, the other night, there were, I think there were... Two Grand Slams, and, or no, that was 20 years ago. Two Grand Slams in one inning, and everyone's cheering on our St. Louis Cardinals here in town for that. Or in the spiritual sense, you look at what are the conversion of St. Augustine, you know, one of the most notorious sinners, now one of the most prolific saints. And I, I like to think, maybe I, I'm just ignorant, I like to think that maybe I'm not as bad as Augustine was, but I also know that in my conversion, I'm, prob- I'm, I'm most probably not anywhere near as great as he is in terms mm-hmm. of spiritual writing mm-hmm. and whatnot. And you think of those glory moments that it, it'd be great for God to save someone as notorious as St. Augustine and that we could say, look at what God did for Augustine. That's absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. And yet he still chooses to do it for the mediocre Adam Wright, who isn't mm-hmm. notorious, isn't grand either. Mm-hmm. And and what a humbling thing that is that he would step in for me and be my advocate, my yeah. paraclete as well. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's a very important element to remember that nobody, two things, nobody has committed a sin that is more powerful than the death of God the Son on the cross. No matter how bad your sin is, his death on the cross is more powerful than your sin. 
Secondly, there's nobody who is so small and insignificant as not to get infinite attention and love from God and forgiveness. God can't love partially. It's contrary to his nature. The only only way he can love is infinitely. And he can give infinite attention to every single cell in your body, yet alone to you. So nobody is insignificant and nobody is beyond redemption. That is key. Whereas I think a lot of people are doing uh, and attempted by the evil one on this, but they are willing to commit suicide but add to it by taking other people's lives as they do so. Hmm. You know, this is despair, horrible despair. And paying attention to God is the antidote. Trusting in him is the antidote to that kind of despair that would say, I, I'm, I'm going to hell and I'm taking these people with me. That is something that we have to recognize no, that's just, that's a lie from the father of lies. Jesus cares about you and nothing in your life is too far beyond what he can forgive. Nothing. His death on the cross has infinite value and that can overcome any sin except that sin against the Holy Spirit, which as St. Thomas made clear, is the sin by which somebody says, no, no, God can't forgive me. I'm beyond it. That's the sin against the Holy Spirit. And nobody should ever, ever agree to commit in that sin. I can think of no better way to conclude our time together than by asking you if you could lead us in a prayer. Sure. Lord Jesus, we praise you and bless you. We thank you for the redemption that you won for us by your saving death on the cross and the new life you bestow by your glorious resurrection. Make us always filled with your grace. And by the grace you give us, help us to absolutely trust in you and the redemption you've won for us. Give us that faith so that we might always cling to you, no matter how difficult life might be, and find your way out of the problems we're in and your way in to the heavenly eternal life. Amen. Well, Father Mitch Pacwa, I want to thank you for being with us on Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. If you want to hear more from Father Mitch or you'd like to hear this interview again, go to our website, ourcatholicradio.org, where you can find the schedule of programs as well as the Roadmap to Heaven podcast, and you can share it with a friend, a family member, anybody you want to share it with. In the meantime, we're going to take a break. Don't go anywhere. The Holy Catholic Church infallibly teaches that the second person of the Most Holy Trinity, our Lord Jesus Christ, is present body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Most Blessed Sacrament, and that it is a sacrilege to receive Holy Communion in the state of mortal sin. Let us pray the Fatima prayer to the Most Holy Trinity. Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I adore Thee profoundly. I offer thee the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, present in all the tabernacles of the world, in reparation the outrages, 
sacrileges, and indifferences whereby he is offended. And through the infinite merits of his most sacred heart and the immaculate heart of Mary, I beg of thee the conversion of poor sinners. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. That was Zach Williams with a song, Less Like Me, during the break. And now it's time for our catequiz this morning. Here is your catequist question today. How many days after Easter is Pentecost? Get your little calendar out if you need to and and start counting. No, how many days? It's the same every year. Pentecost always falls 50 days, 50 days after Easter Sunday. If you want to learn more about Pentecost, tune in tomorrow morning on the show when Father Wade Menezes is going to be with us to talk about Pentecost. It promises to be a fun time, if nothing else, but always insightful with Father Wade. Let's get you another check of the weather here this morning and our daily dose of encouragement. Daily Offering God the Father, I thank Thee for creating me. God the Son, I thank Thee for redeeming me. God the Holy Spirit, I thank Thee for sanctifying me. Infuse into my thoughts, words, and actions thy grace, so that they may be supernaturally pleasing to thee and supernaturally rewarding to me forever. O blessed Trinity, abundantly assist me in becoming that which thou intended me to become when thou created me. For in thy perfection I will give thee the glory thou desirest of me, and in that perfection I will find my greatest joy in heaven. Amen. In preparing for each dose of encouragement this week, I'm looking at our topic, favorite psalms, and all I have going through my head are raindrops and roses and whiskers and and kittens. But, you know, just like there's a song for those things, uh, as we've been saying this week, no matter what's going on in life, there's a psalm for that. So, Patty, what's our psalm today? These are, indeed, a true of my favorite things. These psalms, the book of psalms is just so beautiful. And we talked about it as the prayer book of Jesus. The next psalm I'm going to share with all of you, again, comes from my own personal life. This was a really important psalm for me to read when I was struggling with the faith. I've been very open about it. Most of you know my story. I had, in 2002, questions about the church's teachings on sex and marriage, and I was at a crisis, and I was really angry about all of the church's teachings in regards to sex and marriage. And one of the the psalms for the daily readings during this time of my intense struggle was Psalm 19. And I offer this for anyone who's struggling with the faith. Maybe you have questions. Maybe you're bitter or angry about the law of the Lord or the law of the church or the teachings of the church. So here are the words of Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The decree of the Lord is trustworthy, giving wisdom to the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The command of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eye. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The statutes of the Lord are true, all of them just. More desirable than gold, than a hoard of purest gold. Sweeter also than honey or drippings from the comb. By them your servant is instructed. Obeying them brings much reward. 
oh my gosh, when I read that psalm, I could not imagine delighting in the Lord, like saying that they were more desirable than gold, you know, the teachings of the church at this time in my life. I was bitter. I was angry. But this psalm really challenged me, but it also did something more. It softened my heart because I knew that the word of God was true. I knew that the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. I knew all of these things. And when you put it all together and read, it was so beautiful. So the question for all of us is, do we believe this? Do we believe that this, the words I just read to you, Psalm 19, that this is the word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit? Do we believe that the statutes of the church are the statutes of the Lord, that Jesus and his church are one and that he's the fulfillment of the law? Do we believe that in following the church's teachings that my life will become, quote, clear, enlightened, pure, refreshing, And a life of obedience is rewarding. I mean, those were all the words from this psalm. Read Psalm 19 over and over and over again and let it soften your heart and help you to grow in trust that everything that the church teaches is true, good, and beautiful. As you've been giving us this encouragement, I've been thinking about what are those things in life that I find refreshing, like an ice-cold lemonade on a hot summer's day, or what's one of my favorite sweet treats, pistachio ice cream, and yet the law of the Lord is more refreshing than that lemonade on a hot summer's day, and that just everything, you know, as sweet as that ice cream is. God's will and God's ways are sweeter. And so, Patty, this is a great encouragement. And friends, I would encourage you, think about those things in your life. Everything Patty just mentioned about God in this psalm. What tangible things there and meditate on how much better God's ways are than those things. We have a catequiz follow-up today. Uh, A member of the studio audience quipped, but wait a minute. If Easter's on a Sunday and Pentecost is on a Sunday, wouldn't that be 49 days? And technically, yes, if you're counting calendar days as we would any other calendar thing, 49 days will have elapsed since Easter Sunday when we arrive on Pentecost Sunday. However, normally we would say that Easter Sunday would be day zero, and then Monday would be day one, day two would be Tuesday, etc., and then Pentecost Sunday, day 49. But because Easter Sunday is the first day of Easter, better phrased, Pentecost Sunday is the 50th day of Easter. So instead of asking how many days have elapsed since Easter, I should have asked you, Pentecost Sunday is what day of Easter? And the answer is, it's the 50th day of Easter. So, hey, you know, if you ever have a catechist question, I'd love to hear it. You should send one my way. I love being asked catechist questions, riddles, and dad jokes. I love dad jokes as well. Let's see. What else do we have today as we wrap up? We want to let you know, we're going to be talking about this later this week, but, uh, and if not this week, certainly early next week, there is a Corpus Christi procession coming up on Saturday, June 10th. It's hard to believe that Corpus Christi is just two and a half weeks away as well, but you know that's how the liturgical feasts fall. Pentecost this Sunday, then Trinity Sunday, and then Corpus Christi. Anyway, here in St. Louis, there's going to be a Corpus Christi procession from St. Francis Xavier College Church to the Cathedral Basilica of St. Louis. It's going to start at 6.30 p.m. with praise and worship music and 
a talk by Father Don Anstetter on the Blessed Sacrament, our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, Father Anstetter is a wonderful priest, and Mary-Kate Westrich, who you heard on the show today, will be leading the praise and worship music. Uh, so that's at 6.30. And then after the talk, there will be a candlelight procession from College Church to the Cathedral Basilica of St. Louis. Um, so mark your calendar now. That's on Saturday, June 10th. A few of you have sent in when your Corpus Christi processions will be happening on that Sunday. I'd like to receive more. I'd like to be able to let our listeners know. We've got one from St. Louis. We've got one from Dexter. We've got, uh, you know, a couple more coming in. So adam at ourcatholicradio.org. You can email them to me. You can give us a call here at the station as well and let us know when your Corpus Christi procession is. Final thought today. Uh, well, I think my final thought today is go be holy today. Sometimes I think we need that reminder. I'd love to get a little sticker in my windshield, except then it'd be d- difficult to drive. This is be holy. Go and be holy in everything you do to do today. Every meeting, every encounter. Be the face of Christ to those you encounter and see the face of Christ in those you encounter today. Am I treating this person like I would if it was our Lord standing directly in front of me? If the answer to that question is no, then you need to rethink, and I need to rethink, again, starting with the the guy right here, uh, I need to rethink how I am treating that person. Sometimes that's difficult, which is why we have to pray for that grace day in and day out. It's also still the month of May, and so we continue to honor our Blessed Mother. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Queen of the Rosary, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, for all of us here at Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. I want to thank you for listening to Roadmap to Heaven this morning. And it has been now 200 or 106 years since the apparitions at Fatima. And yet the message rings true each and every day. A message given to us through the children, but given to us by the Blessed Mother. And that message is this. Pray your rosary today.